This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. watching my fellow Americans with your host, Spike Cohen. Yes! Yes, it's me. It's me. It's Wednesday night. It's me. Keep clapping. Clap for the pre-Hanukkah miracle. How would we know that you wanted the pre-Hanukkah miracle if you didn't keep clapping? Welcome to my fellow Americans. I am literally Spike Cohen. I am literally Spike Cohen. Thank you for taking this break from arguing on the internet uh, with people about whatever you are arguing on the internet with people about and taking this moment to uh, to spend this time with me, Spike Cohen. Thanks for tuning in. I promise to stay at least six feet away from you at all times and to not 
ever breathe on you. We have a fantastic show tonight. This, of course, is a Muddy Waters Media production. Check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Anchor, Twitter, Periscope, iTunes, Google Play, Float, Twitch, MeWe, Parlor. Freaking, there's another one I'm sure I forgot. But check us out everywhere. We're on all the podcasting apps. And, of course, check us out on MuddyWatersMedia.com. Be sure to like us, follow us, five-star us, hit the bell if applicable. If you're on YouTube, hit that bell because every time I go online, I definitely want your phone to notify you no matter what you're doing. So be sure to hit the bell and share this video right now. The social media overlords do not want people to know that you watch this. So be sure to show them what for by sharing it. Instead, give the gift of Spike Cohen today. Kids love it. This episode, of course, is brought to you as always by the Libertarian Party Waffle House Caucus, the fastest growing waffle related caucus in this or any other party in this godforsaken planet. And uh, very soon we have buttons coming up. Uh, we have buttons that are coming uh, on the Muddy Waters Media Store, so be sure to check those out. This episode, of course, is also brought to you by Black Coffee, spelled B-L-V-C-K, because nothing matters anymore. This is 2020. No one cares about anything. Nothing's sacred, and you can do whatever the hell you want. Uh, go to Black Brews, B-L-V-C-K-Brews.com to get the most delicious cold-brewed organic coffee to ever be horribly misspelled. And be sure to use the checkout code MW for Muddied Waters to get free shipping and of course, this episode is brought to you by Chris Reynolds, personal injury attorney, Chris Reynolds, attorney at law. If you live in Florida and are personally injured, be sure to contact Chris Reynolds at chrisreynoldslaw.com and he will get you probably some money for it. I can't guarantee that, but he'll try. He's as good as anyone else. Be sure to go to chrisreynoldslaw.com. Thank you so much. The intro and outro music to this and every episode of My Fellow Americans comes from the amazing and talented Mr. Joe Davi. That's J O D A V I. Check him out on Facebook, SoundCloud. Go to his Bandcamp. Go to joedavimusic.bandcamp.com. Buy his entire discography. It's going to cost you like 25 bucks. I'd like to thank Le Bleu. Le Bleu for this delicious, ultra-pure drinking water that I'm drinking on this episode. This water is kosher and made in the USA, just like me. It's actually not. I'm not kosher. I ate shellfish earlier. But thank you for this water, Bulavanaka. Shout out to Tehran Turks' mom and him, as always. Guys, I have a very special guest tonight. And I'm not just saying that because I say that every night, but this is actually a very special guest. Those other guests, they were good guests, but this is a really, really special guest. Uh, this uh, man I actually met earlier this year, but we've, been, we've known each other for a while. Uh, he is uh, an incredible activist for the libertarian movement. Uh, he is one of the founders and one of the admins, affectionately known as Dadmin, uh, of Liberty Memes. And uh, he has also started the Liberty Memes $5 charity club, which has raised hundreds of thousands of dollars, I believe uh, either just under or just over a million dollars already in just a matter of a a few months uh, for people in need. He is coming on today because we're going to talk about uh, dispelling the idea that libertarians don't care about others and uh, and how we can use uh, charity and mutual aid to spread the message of liberty while we're helping others. And so with no further ado... My fellow Americans, ladies and gentlemen, please join me in welcoming to the show, Mr. David Andrew Gay. David, thanks so much for coming on. I'm, I'm waiting. There's, there's people, there's people clapping. We gotta wait. Standing Are the people, people still clapping. Oh yeah, we gotta do the the clapping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here, let me get that. Uh, thank you, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Um, there is a lot of momentum right now with the things that Liberty Memes is doing. You mentioned that we've raised a whole lot of money, but 
before we get into anything, I do have to make a little correction there because okay. it hasn't been a million dollars in just a few months. It's actually been over two and a half years of doing this. Okay. Um, okay. But the Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club, and I'll obviously get into that later on, is where we've done a lot of concentrated just fundraising. So no memes, no nonsense posting, just fundraising. Just the well, charity. We, we yeah. actually we actually added memes to it now because they've been really powerful at uh, getting algorithm attention for the causes. So we've I've, added I've noticed memes that. to that group. We can actually talk about that because I noticed with uh, at least a couple of the causes, the memes uh, where the, the people themselves who need the help are actually making fun of their situation through memes. And that's actually helping get more attention. for it. Yes, yes, we will get to that. And it yeah. will be hilarious. So first of all, so I, again, thank you for coming on. Uh, and folks, uh, be sure to comment. We are live. Be sure to comment with your thoughts and questions. And David and I will let you know if you are right or wrong. Now, David... Uh, before we get started, I always ask this of all of my guests who are libertarians who come on the show. What is it that you would say brought you to libertarianism? Was it kind of an aha moment or a gradual evolution of time? Tell, tell us your story of what brought you here. Um, like most Americans, I was raised in the socialist school system, which means I was raised to be culturally socialist. Right. That is the fact of everyone in this country. So I don't get mad at people for being socialist. It's just when they continue to ignore reality, that's when it gets tough. But... I went to public school, but I was raised in a very conservative home, you know, conservative in terms of like, you know, Rush Limbaugh and right, right, things, right. Like, <laughs> things like that and G. Gordon Liddy on the radio. And uh, I was raised to be pretty conservative. I remember when I was about five years old, I was reading Calvin and Hobbes and there was a part where Calvin didn't want to take a bath. And his parents said, well, we can force you to. And they just picked him up and threw him in the bath. And his reply was, and uh, Bill Watterson wrote this in all caps, dark pencil. He wrote the word communists across it <laughs> with three exclamation points. And I, I was five years old. I had no clue what that meant. But I could relate at that time to being <laughs> a child who didn't want to be forced to take a bath. Right. And... I saw that word communists and it was not a good thing to me at all. And I couldn't really pronounce it, but I always recognize it. And I have never forgotten the moment I saw the word communists for the first time. I did not like it. Right. And uh, so flash forward to how I became a libertarian, you know, I was pretty conservative. So conservatives like the military and conservatives support the president if he's a Republican and things like that. And, mm -hmm. and so I voted for George Bush in 2000, but I voted for him because I remember, and if these talk show hosts are sincere at all, they will remember that they railed really hard against Bill Clinton's foreign policy of nation building. Yep. Yep. So I supported George W. Bush because he was the anti-Bill Clinton foreign policy, very specifically. And I remember being anti-war was conservative. So I might be, you know, I've got white hair, so maybe I'm just too old <laughs> to understand the times. But I remember when being anti-war was conservative and conservatism was really close to libertarianism. It's still a stripe of status. They still got that military worship and, but on that on yeah, that but, subject of being against mm -hmm. wars of aggression the conservatives yes. typically are against that right so that bothered me when by 2003 we had just become the, the exact same thing that we were under the clinton administration right um that bothered me so by 2004 i didn't vote 
at all. And by 2006, I was looking for somebody who was an anti-war Republican. And I was like, this is great. We can't lose if we have an anti, because I was still a Republican. So I still wanted my team to win. Right. And so I was like, we can't lose the White House as long as we get a Republican because Republican fiscal policy is popular, um, but their war stuff is total yep. nonsense. So all we have to do is get a real Republican again. <laughs> that was my line of thought. And, and I found Ron Paul. And in my ignorance and in my naivete, I said, wow, it's, it's an anti-war Republican who delivered 5,000 babies. We can't lose. It was great. It was the greatest feeling in the world that right. you can't lose. We're going to win now. Yeah. We'll, yeah. we'll give examples of how we're still winning. Right. But, uh, but in terms of the White House, yeah, I, I had no clue what I was talking about. But that right, was right, when right. I found Ron Paul. And Ron Paul is definitely uh, his message and his dedication to always telling the truth, even when it's unpopular, even when it could bring consequences to him himself. It's right. just it's something that I've, I admire. And the more I see him do it, the more I realize that not only does he find the truth important, he also finds that he has responsibility with every word that he speaks. So I've never seen him repeat a story that he thinks is just like a made up anecdote. I've, I've always seen him when he talks to people, he makes sure that he's not saying something that they could construe in a way that would lead them to believe a false truth. It's just, I've been amazed by that. And, and I strive to be that way. Yep. So that's what got you into libertarianism. Um, and that's what, you know, that's, that's what got you into the, the, the movement. And, and by the way, I'm right there with you, Ron Paul, Ron Paul and, 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 uh, and, and, and Matt Kibbe and others that were, you know, operating in conservative slash Republican circles, but were kind of saying, Hey guys, this doesn't work. If you want smaller government, if you want smaller government, what are you showing us? Oh, it's a giraffe. You go ahead and keep talking. Oh, okay. This okay. That's a, a hat tip to the Patreon group. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Um, the, uh, uh, you know, saying, hey, guys, if you want smaller government and more fiscal responsibility, we can't have an empire around the world. It doesn't work that way. You, you, can't, you can't have a small government that, you know, wiretaps you and watches your every move for, to fight terrorism uh, without a warrant uh, if you want to and, and have a smaller government. It doesn't work that way. And so that, that, that drove me in as well. By the way, uh, in the comments, we've had a couple of people complaining that they can't post memes in the comments this is a live stream, and so because it's a live stream, you can't do photo comments in a, in a live stream, unfortunately. So, uh, uh, but once it's not live anymore, you can come back and post memes. Um, so so I, I actually left out a very legendary part of what I was doing that got me to Ron Paul. Okay. Um, and this is this is just crazy talk, and people don't usually believe this, so I don't tell them. But there's actually an episode about me on the Cuban version of CSI in Cuba. Okay. And that is because from about 1999 to maybe mid 2007, I worked with a baseball agency under the guise of being an international talent scout to incite defections among Cuban baseball players. Oh, wow. Okay. So before I was a Liberty activist, I was already a Liberty activist risking my life to help people escape communism. So you were actually in Cuba 
scouting no, talent. No, oh. I was at international tournaments. So I would go oh, okay. to, for example, the World University Tournament in in Italy, in Sicily okay. in 2002, a tournament in Mexico, one in Pan, the pre-Olympic tournament in Panama, so Panaman and uh, Pan, Pan Am Games in Santo Domingo in Dominican Republic in 2003, all this stuff like that. And any Major League Baseball player that's gone on um, from that era, uh, from Cuba, from the United States, from the Dominican Republic, I, got, I, I spent time with every single one of them back when they were just, most of them were just teenagers. That's so cool. That is awesome. So that People was before- like I'm at, since I was in high school, I, uh, in 1994, my pastor received a, and I'm sorry, I cut you off. And I'll, no, no, I'll no, no, no. I was just saying that's cool. Go but, ahead. Uh, in 1994, if you guys recall in 1993, 90, uh, 92, 93, 94, right around when the Soviet satellites were collapsing and the Soviet union itself collapsed and the Cuban money just tanked. Uh, there was a raft crisis of people who were like, there's nothing yep. left in Cuba. There's no subsidies from Russia. We're, we're boned. If we stay here, we're starved to death. So there was a raft crisis. And one of the chaplains at Guantanamo base in charge of processing the immigrants who would come here as refugees in 1994 went to seminary with my pastor. And so he said, when you guys get resettled in Syracuse, look up this guy and he will help you out. And wow. I was in like level one of Spanish in, in, in middle school. Right, and, he right, said, right. and he said, you're, you're my interpreter. You're, you're headed over with me. You're going to speak Spanish today. I was like, all right, let's go. And you're like, so, donde esta la biblioteca? Well, no, I was a little better than that. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm a really quick study with linguistics. Um, but uh, I went over to their house and within two months, me and my brother were both speaking Spanish like we were from Havana. Oh, wow. And so we, and if you have anybody who speaks Spanish in your audience, they'll recognize the accent. Tú sabes, nosotros no hemos hablado inglés, que nosotros fuimos, pero muchachito, pero chamaquito, tú sabes. And that's just kind of ghetto Spanish. That was just for fun. I didn't have to do that. But so anyway, so, in my house, and like I said at your rally, and I've told you before, my wife is a political refugee from Cuba. So yeah, pretty yeah. much my whole life, I've spent speaking Cuban Spanish. Actually, this conversation in English might be a little challenge for me every once in a while, because when I find that I'm in a conversation that lasts for more than 15 minutes, I need to remember English vocabulary words. <laughs> And oh wow! I have honestly spoken Spanish as my majority language since I was 13, 14 years old. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm almost 40 now. So most of my life, Spanish has been my first language, which is a novelty for somebody who's from the region of the world that I'm from. Right. From you know, like the farmlands of central New York. Right. Central New York. So you are you. So you are definitely immersed in the in the in the, the liberty movement, even before you identify identified as libertarian. Yes. Now, one of the one of the biggest things in the liberty movement, um, specifically on the Internet, is that we have the best meme game bar none. There's no comparison. If if elections were decided by memes, we would completely run the game. And you're actually one of the original people that was involved with that. Tell me about how Liberty Memes got started and it, and it would be it would be rude of me to not give credit to the fans who submitted a lot of those memes that we posted. Oh, yeah. But in the beginning it was all original content and it was me and Peter just making memes. And they were going viral and we had no way to keep track of them. And so Peter made a page 
what he actually did was he went on Facebook and there was this thing. This is how he did Liberty memes. There was this thing and it said, would you like to create a page? And there was a button. And so he clicked it. Yeah, that's the story. See, that's the story. Study. At least it asked him it. if he wanted to make a page, so he did. So, And when was this? Yeah. Like, what year was this around? That would be, um, we were looking for a way to continue spreading the message while we didn't have a presidential candidate. So we didn't have Ron Paul running for president by then. We were like, well, we used to be able to just share the stuff that he says. Yeah. And everybody would be like, yeah, you spread the message. And then maybe we would type some quotes on Facebook and those would get shared and copied and turned into memes by other people. Right. And so we were like, maybe we should start a page. So that was in 2013. Okay. And at the time I was actually running for political office. I was running for city council here in Syracuse as a Republican. And I was endorsed by Ron Paul. Yep. And I felt that at the time being in the Republican party that I had to be careful how much of my anarchist heart was showing on the internet. And so I was afraid for a while about things getting out that I was actually the admin of Liberty memes. And I went to a young Americans for Liberty event and I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, this is good Ron Paul people. And this is like, this is my people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was even at that event afraid to tell people at Young Americans for Liberty that I was the admin of Liberty memes because of what would get back to the Republicans back home. Right, right, right. It was so absurd and so, well, cult-like. <laughs> but, but I remember one of the leaders at the check-in table was browsing the page at that event. Oh, at, at Yale? And that was at the Yale New York State Convention back when they had state conventions. And I was a speaker at that. And I didn't want to jeopardize being a speaker at that event either, because I wasn't sure just how serious these guys were about being Republicans. Right. So right. I was like, I'm not going to tell these guys either. But then I was like, wow, the leadership is browsing my page and I, I just can't hold it in anymore because I actually walked by like five times. I was like, do I say anything? And, and I told him, I was like, you know, I'm the admin of that page. Well, me and my brother. And he's like, no, no way, dude. No way. I've been following this page. And it, it had only existed for like six months, but people were already in love with it. I think one of our first memes was the one that says, remember when everything sucked and then government just made it all better? Oh, is that? And there's like a, a unicorn or something there's like fancy. unicorn with yeah, rainbows. Yeah, yeah. It's like, yeah, me neither. But that meme was used as a handout. Handouts. <laughs> Socialists love those. No, it was used as a flyer on college campuses to get people to sign up for Young Americans for Liberty chapters. Oh, wow. And that was like in our first four months as a page. So we were already having impact in the real world with our memes that people think is just an echo chamber on the internet. No, listen, this is, and, and, and I've talked to people about this because I literally just ran as the meme vice president and I was out in the real world doing bus tours and fly ahead tours and big events and all that stuff. But I'm a, I was also running the meme campaign on, on the internet and people would say to me, well, how do you think the public's going to take this? And I'm like, 
the public's loving it. This this is how people communicate, especially people under the age of 40. This is how we communicate is through memes and through, you know, through, uh, you know, internet quips and things like that. So, I mean, it's it's become mainstream now. But so and now you, I'm glad that you corrected me on this because Liberty Memes uh, $5 Charity Club has existed, I think, just under a year. But you've actually been in the Liberty Memes community group for quite some time uh, doing uh, charity and mutual aid stuff. Tell us about, I, I guess, the catalyst for what started that and, and, and what you guys started with doing there. So I enjoy speaking at rallies. I enjoy speaking at events. I enjoy giving presentations about what we do with Liberty Memes. Yep. In 2016, Timothy Martinez of and uh, Becca Congdon and Cassie Villeya of the Texas Libertarian Party. I don't know if you know the three of them. I, I know They're, I know Becca and I know of the two, but I know Becca. I I'm pretty sure you've met Timothy somewhere. But I'm, I'm uh, sure I have. I'm yeah, sure I have. They put together the Texas State Convention for the Libertarian Party in 2016. And if you remember, that would be John McAfee and Gary Johnson yep. and Adam yep. and Daryl Perry and uh, a couple others, and I'm not I'm just not good. But they invited freaking every celebritarian that they could think of at the time. This is Julie Borowski and uh, and Jeffrey Tucker and Jeff Dice. It's an interesting dynamic there, um, <laughs> and a few other people. It was just it was just a great event. It was well put together. It was in a convention center. It was catered. There were vending booths off to the side for people's liberty causes. I mean, it was just they they used. I think it was the first state convention to use the blockchain voting system. Oh, wow. And that would be the one that Nick Spanos created for uh, for the voting for the Libertarian Convention. And that was my first exposure to well-organized Libertarian Party. And uh, I'm not a member of the Libertarian Party, but I am definitely what I would consider some sort of an attache for liberty. Right. And in, in the party, I, I like to bridge the gap between some of the Republican activists and the anarchist activists and the Libertarian Party activists, because I'm kind of meshed with all three in my own personal story. Right. Um, so we went to that event and we loved it. It was great. The people treated us well. I mean, you, you see how the Texans received me. They like oh, me. Oh, gosh. Nice yeah. To me. Yeah. Texan is the Texans. I mean, I had great treatment all over, but Texas definitely was at the top of, of who really rolls out the red carpet for the people they bring into town. I mean, I got there and, and what I saw some of the people when I got there for you last month or a month ago or yep. a month and a half ago. I saw some of the people that had invited me or had been at that convention. And the first thing they do, they, they knew I live in New York. They know this is the COVID era and everything yep, deadly yep. is coming from, from what the, the plague is obviously where everybody's got the most extreme health measures. Anyway, so I went, I went down to Texas, no masks on anybody, no social distancing, just big, huge freaking hug. David, right. welcome back to Texas. Right, right, right. That's just how awesome they are. I love those people. But anyway, they gave us our first taste of that. And that was before we had even reached 50,000 likes on the page. And back then, I guess 50,000 likes was a big deal. That was a big um, deal, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So from there, we went on, I think we spoke at Cornell, which I love to do this little feather in my cap. That was where I got to do the introductory speech for Ron Paul's campaign rally. So that was really awesome. But me and Peter, we did like a little lecture 
lecture for the Libertarians Club. It was like three kids. And we just went there and gave a lecture on meme-based activism. That must have been 2015. Wow. I don't know. It was something like that. Yeah. No, it was after the 2016. So it was 2017, I think it would have been. And it was like three kids there. And one of them was a communist. And we did our thing anyway. And that person ended up leaving early. And then we just had two kids. And Ron Paul would talk about this often. He would go to these college campuses or when he became a congressman, um, people around the D.C. area knew that he was libertarian leaning. And they would say, well, you're a congressman and a libertarian, and we've got this local community college that has a libertarians club. Uh, Can you come speak to them? And he's like, yeah, sure. And it was only like one or two kids in the room. But it doesn't matter. You just keep doing it and you grow it. You reach people and you inspire people. And from there, it just grows. Yep. So you so, so so you did that, and then and then I think we were talking about how the the, the all the charity stuff started. Yeah. So in 2018, um, we were really trying to get into some speaker circuits, and I know we had to pay sponsorship to Young Americans for Liberty and pay sponsorship to Students for Liberty and things like that in order to be allowed to speak. Mm-hmm. which I think is fine because I don't mind supporting other Liberty organizations. Right. Right. But I still wanted to actually be a paid speaker. I have a, you know, I have a, a family to take care of. Right, right, right. So I was trying, we were trying to get on the speakers tour that way. And unfortunately when you have a brand that you're behind, you have to always pay sponsorship because you're repping your brand and it's right. not like, Oh, I'm going to have, you know, Spike Cohen of Spike Cohen speak. They wouldn't have you speak as muddied waters radio. Right, 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 right. So, so that's how that works. But anyway, we did that. And by 2018, I decided, well, I should create a group of people who support our page to the point of actually wanting to do a little extra to help us out. And what that meant was I wanted to organize rallies and events and things like that around the country because i wanted to you know i wanted to be able to put a name and personality and interaction with individual people that were following our page so we created the liberty memes community group and within our first month the folks from voluntarism in action reached out and said you've got a really thriving group there you mind if we share this fundraiser here for a little girl who needs a kidney transplant and we said, yeah, sure, let's do it. Right, let's see yeah. what this audience is capable of. Mm-hmm. And the fundraising total was reached in a couple of days. It's because I was like, hey, you guys are all libertarians. You guys all believe in voluntarism. Let's go. Let's help somebody right. and tell them Liberty Meme sent you. Yeah. And so all of the comments said Liberty Meme sent me or voluntarism in action sent me or being libertarian sent me, which is actually reason i wear their shirt because they were the ones who inspired us to do what we do right we saw that they had already been helping people and taking gofundmes and promoting them to their organization so that people would donate and i was like well that's brilliant that's what we should be doing and i got so hooked to it that i was like i want to do one of these every single freaking day 
Yeah, yeah, which is pretty much and, what you've been doing. I mean, it seems like yeah. there's a, there's a new cause where the where the uh, the goal has been reached every every day or so. Yeah, I'm not doing justice to just how amazing it is when you fund somebody's cause. And I feel like typing on the internet about how cool it is and speaking about how cool it is doesn't quite do justice to the impact that it makes in the life of the individual that receives that unexpected help from a group of libertarians. Yeah, yeah. And I wish that I had better words to express it. And I'll tell some stories that, that will paint that image, but there really is no way for us to quantify how amazing this is we took that first cause and then we helped somebody pay off and uh i don't know if you got a glitch in there just now but i think yeah yeah we 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 lost you for about two or three seconds but you're good now okay so after that fundraiser to help that girl uh with a kidney transplant we went on to help someone pay off their entire mortgage or the remainder of the mortgage was like 10 or $11,000. Yep. And that was done within the week. And because she was facing foreclosure and that had been a page fan that we were like, yeah, we got to take care of this. We'll keep this person in her house. Yep. And then from then people kept coming and saying, Hey, my, my daughter is going blind. She's only two years old. She needs special therapy. Can mm-hmm. you help us pay for the optometrist appointments for the therapy? And we took care of that. And our, our ophthalmologist, and you know, Rand Paul killed me for not knowing the difference. Um, and I'm a medical interpreter. I'm supposed to know the difference. But the difference between optometrist and ophthalmologist is kind of weird, though, because I have to see both and I always get the two confused. So, uh, okay, I forget, I forget. I'm not going to worry about it. So anyway, these eye doctors, we paid the bill for that. And so now a two-year-old girl can see who was projected to not be able to ever see again. Then you go down the list and it's things like that. It's people who needed urgent medication whose healthcare insurance had expired and needed their diabetes medication and the store wasn't going to sell it to them except at cost was like how many hundreds of dollars per insulin right, 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 dose. Right. And I was like, well, what do you need to tide you over? Here's the money. Go to the pharmacy, get your insulin. You know, that without even thinking. Like that's that's one of those immediate ones that you're like, yeah, this person could die and diabetes is dangerous. So right, we're going right. to take care of this person right the heck now. Yep. And anytime, and, and a lot of them, what happened was people would come to me on an urgent basis. And that's tough because that kind of gums up the works. So everybody's like, I'm about to get kicked out of my house and I need $2,000 right now. And that kind of makes it difficult. So the other thing is pushback. So we would do these funds, these fundraisers, and we had been, you know, just ignoring it for a very long time. But there was a lot of pushback. Uh, I've become known as an e-beggar, which I guess is a badge I have to wear with pride. (laughs) Yeah. But all I'm doing is every single day asking for people to impact someone else's life. Right. So you, you, if that makes me the beggar and this horrible person and the yeah. guy who's putting you through a guilt trip because you're not promoting liberty if you're not helping this cause or whatever nonsense, um, then that's just what I have to be known as. Because I don't give a crap about what nickname you give me. Because you are not important if you think that. 
the person that's important is the people who are helping. Who are helping and the people who need the help. And the are... people who need the help. So exactly. then, So then did you find that, has there been any kind of, because now you have an actual group for the charity okay. club. Has yes. that kind of, I probably already know the answer to this. Has that kind yes. of gotten well, rid of some of the criticism? There's, there's give and take in this. Um, so this is actually really funny. Um, I made that group, the separate group, to be a clearinghouse of the causes that come to us because there's just too many. And I can't make it white noise in the Liberty Memes community group or in the Liberty Memes Patreon members group. I can't make that white noise of just, look, this is a cause that got sent me. And oh, here's another one. Oh, here's another one. Yeah, yeah, it would be yeah. 100 causes per day because I really get that many between Liberty Memes main page, between the 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 other groups that I run and my own inbox and then my alt inbox. I get overwhelmed every single day with these and I have to sort through and triage and see what's not only what we can get to, but what's feasible for us. Right, right. Because there's some that come to us that are heartbreaking and urgent and there's nothing that we can do about them. And there's others that people are just hesitant to fund like funerals. For some reason, people don't understand that it's the family that gets straddled with this immediate debt of a funeral. Yep, and so yep. they're like, well, that guy's dead. Why am I raising money? That is <laughs> one the of the one most difficult ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there was a lot of pushback and a lot of libertarians were like, I'm just here for memes. You're violating our contract of the group being called a memes group. I mean, these people are nuts. So... Wow. So I started, yeah. So I started this group as a clearinghouse. I was like, okay, you guys who have been active and involved in causes and want to continue to see causes be successful, I'm going to slow down on posting them here, and we're going to try out this new donors club type. Group. Right, right, right. So just move them on over. So in the first couple of days, we had about 400 members, and they just helped it grow from there. Uh, the first cause was a girl in Florida who none of us know, but just needed a car. And so we paid for her to get a car. And uh, people were like, oh, wow, I can't believe we just did that. And that quickly. I was like, yeah, I learned this from the Ron Paul money bombs. You can do that when everybody is active together. And it's right. not collectivism. It's just cooperation, you knuckleheads. Yeah. If yeah, you it's... want liberty to do well and a liberty leader is like, hey, here's a really good idea. Don't be like, don't tell me what to do. See if you can fit it in your schedule. If you can't, don't do it. That's fine. You don't have to feel guilty. Anyway. And even just tell and even just tell others about it. If you if you yourself yeah. can't help then share it with others and see if someone else can help. You know, there, there's always a way that you can help. Well, that's the, that's the thing. Um, interactions, and I know you know this as yes. somebody on social media, yep. uh, interactions like giving a heart and giving a share and commenting yep. and coming back and following up on your comment and saying hi to somebody else in the comments. All of those things are algorithm boosters. Yep. All yep. of those things are free work. And I will tell you this right now. There are millionaire angel donors in the Liberty Means $5 charity club. They're not always online and they are effective people. So they probably shouldn't be online all of the time. <laughs> but when they get online every once in a while, magic happens because one of our posts will reach their newsfeed because of interactions. Right, and right, right. Bam, a $10,000 anonymous donation goes on a cause and everybody goes, what the heck just happened? Right. Yeah. I thought we were all just here to give five bucks. 
Well, and it's incredible because I mean, even on the ones that I don't, I I don't give because I I have to budget my giving each month uh, so that it doesn't become this thing where I get. But what I do is so like I'll give to a, you know a certain number of them. The ones that I end up not giving to, I at least comment or put bump or just say, hey, what a great cause, or you know, like react to the memes that people mm-hmm. put on there or whatever. That all helps the al- the the engagement yeah, and when and the I algorithm see posts from it pushes you it up and in the news from other organizations and other libertarian personalities that i support i go and i click a like and leave a comment because it helps it's boost not them, exactly. hard and i already paid the isp so why not help this person get some reach i mean what is it that we're spending our time on facebook getting reach for are we getting reach for all the chinese videos about how to about how to turn a coke bottle into a cement factory and then turn that into a house i mean yeah that stuff is really really fascinating um but you're giving them all that ad revenue and you're not giving much of anything to actual libertarian stuff that you wanted to be on Facebook to support in the first place. <laughs> so, and, and that's the funny thing is the, the same ones of us that are wasting our time. And I'm, I'm saying this to myself, watching videos every once in a while. Yeah. 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 You know, Sure, that's fine. And recreation is good. But for gosh sakes, these are the same people who will spend hours in endless argument threads. Which is why so many people uh, in 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 especially in political spheres, they'll inca- they'll intentionally do stuff that's controversial and and, uh, uh, you know, and, and 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 incites a reaction because then they know the comments thread will be filled with a billion people. Yeah or a billion oh, comments yeah. of people that disagree with them and people that argue with them and people and everything else. And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But mm-hmm. if there's an opportunity to help, you know, a kid that's going to go blind or to help someone who's about to lose their house and all you have to do is comment a couple times or share it or whatever else, then, then let's do it. So let's talk real quick about how well, this has well, been. Well, I'll go, tell you, I'll ahead. tell you the way the, the curse of social media, the curse of social media is that that exact thing that gets you the attention that you need in order to grow your brand is the right. same thing that creates echo chambers and hostility on the internet. Yes. And so I created this group to help people to be a way to use your time when you're on the internet to do something that impacts the real world and spreads the liberty message in an effective way that impacts somebody's real life in a positive way in a year like 2020 where everyone's polarized. Right, right, exactly. And not only, so not only is this directly helping people, people that needed doctor's visits, people that needed insulin, people that needed to be able to pay their mortgage or their rent or get a car or whatever else, people that are having all sorts of different issues. Uh, you were helping people that needed Thanksgiving meals, like pretty much anyone in need. And I even put that in the comments. I didn't put, you know, mm-hmm. poor people or what I said, those in need, people who had a specific need. Not only are you directly helping them, but in doing so, you're also helping spread the liberty message and demonstrate what liberty really means. It doesn't mean I'm going to keep all my money and I, I just want to, you know, be left alone and keep my money it means i want to be able to help others and i want to reduce the harm that's being done by government talk to us about how this has been effective in actually spreading that message i was actually telling people before i came on the show and i and and they said are you nervous to go on spike's show because you know he's libertarian and i was like listen (laughs) thing about me and spike is me and spike speak the exact same language Right, right right and we understand each other and we understand liberty and we also know each other we've we've talked quite a bit I'll tell you, people who say that giving and making the world a better place 
doesn't help promote liberty and people who are like, well, what the heck did, or what the hell does that do for promoting liberty? They don't get it the way people like you do. No, and I always no. recognize who the people are who get it because we speak the same language right. and we say stuff like what you just said about don't touch my stuff. Because yep. one of the things that I'm trying to teach the modern liberty movement is that even though it's not okay for the government to steal from you, and yep. it's not okay for anyone to coerce your possessions from you, it is okay as a libertarian for people to like you. And so we have <laughs> all this time that we spend on this don't touch my duckets rhetoric that we don't think it's okay for me to give it if I want to. Right, yeah, it's right. okay for people to like us. That's the other point that I always have about people who enjoy airing dirty laundry about the liberty movement in public. I'm like, what are you doing if you are a libertarian and this is something that will not change the grand scheme of things? Why are you airing the mustard stain on everybody's shirt? Like, just wipe off the mustard stain. Oh, but you remember that mustard stain that you had there? What'd you do to get it out? Oh, listen, you had this mustard stain. Let me tell you what you got that mustard stain from. We were at this party, and you were naked. And then, listen, we don't need that. What are normal people going to think when they hear that you have a mustard stain? People look at us like, well, there was my internet for some reason. Oh, sorry. People look at us like we're absolutely insane when we have these stupid arguments about past offenses of, oh, I forgot to give you credit for a meme or, you know, or whatever nonsense. Or you you didn't vote the way I wanted you to at that convention. Or right, you didn't right, knock right. on as many doors as I did. Or yep, you didn't get yep. as many petition signatures as I did or do as much phone banking hours as I did. And we do this nonsense all the freaking time. Listen, I got to tell you, when people do the credentials measuring contest, and by credentials, I'm referring to the penis. When they do, when people do these measuring contests, they're not realizing, for gosh sakes, if the three of you who are measuring your accomplishments had put those three accomplishments together when it was time to make them count, yeah. you would not have lost. Instead of measuring what we've done or saying I'm better at this or I'm better that, than that or than you at that in, in the liberty movement at the most important thing. Listen, not everybody values voting or knocking on doors or right. these other things as the most important thing for the liberty movement. That doesn't mean that their contribution to the liberty movement is going to take away from your contribution to the liberty movement if you do value those things. We are the freaking League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, and we don't even realize it. Every single libertarian has a talent, an amazing talent, and we are all good at racking up numbers of our liberty activism. And if we looked at it as this is just pieces of a puzzle and we're all headed to this greater picture, we would be unstoppable, absolutely unstoppable. And I know for a fact that we already have the numbers to do it. You know, all you need, and in my case, oh, sorry about the internet lagging. It's okay. No, you're good. You're already back. Do something about that. Okay. All we need, for example, in my case, for what I believe in, for crowdfunding to be overwhelmingly successful and take over the libertarian movement and eventually the country by storm is 
for the people I've already got in my group to invite like five people to the group. And we would have the numbers in every single area of this country to say, we could deal with this stuff region by region. Yeah. Or even state by state. So yep. the Texans have an issue and the Texans just post it to the Texan group and they're like, hey, let's help out this person, Texan to Texan. And it'll be a total rando and it won't be a libertarian. It won't be an ANCAP. It'll just be a total random person that you have no regard for what their political philosophy is. And you will reach into their life and directly impact it. And in the case of what I'm saying regionally, it would be like, wow, Texan libertarians care about me. I mean, I know Texans care about each other, but wow, do Texans libertarians care about me? And so in our case, with our organization, with Liberty Means $5 Charity Club, we like to, for the most part, try to find causes that are outside of our community. Uh, Maybe they're brought to us by a member of the community. Usually that's the the most trusted method. Um, So because you don't just go out and search for randos. Just random Um, stuff. I mean, I do when I'm driving around the country, but that's another story. But it's but but again, you're another example of someone within the movement who is finding stuff outside of the movement that, that we can help with. Yes. So somebody will bring a cause to me, you know, somebody whose legs just got chopped off, for example. Um, I actually gave you the link. Yeah, in fact, let's, let's, it, once, you finish are, your, once you finish this, let's talk about that. We'll, we'll talk about that cause next, but, but go ahead. Okay, I'll talk about that in a second. So people will bring these causes to me and I will look them over and the most favorable ones, to be honest, I mean, I kind of feel a duty to the libertarian community if they're in need to take care of them first simply because of, you know, it's kind of like the secure your own life vest first thing. If libertarians aren't doing well economically, then our movement isn't moving forward because we don't have the resources to move it forward and spend time spreading liberty. So I do like to try to help fellow fellow libertarians um, as as kind of a, a duty, but I don't like doing it first. I actually would prefer if we could reach people outside of our, of our own circles, because Mm -hmm. these are people who will say, wow, I had this need and nobody in my family, nobody in the government for sure, or from my school or from my pastor, nobody took care of it. But suddenly all these libertarians just showed up and overwhelmed me with so much goodness that I have never felt before in my entire life. And I had no idea where you guys came from. I have no idea why you guys care, but you guys, and you mentioned your philosophy when you commented on my GoFundMe, you libertarians care about people because I can feel it. Yep. And what's incredible about- no politician has ever come to my house and made a campaign promise that he kept to change my life. And what's incredible about that, exactly. And what's incredible about that is and, and we often forget this as libertarians because we are, you know, we talk to other libertarians. We're constantly being libertarian with other libertarians. Most people have no idea who we are. The vast majority of people have absolutely no idea what a libertarian is. They've possibly never even heard the term. And even among those who have heard the term, they don't really have a good grasp of what it is. I just went to 35 states, uh, over 70 uh, campaign stops, interacted with tens of thousands of people, people in the movement, people who just showed up because they saw our, our, our bus or they saw the ads and wanted to come 
come out out of curiosity, the vast majority of people have absolutely no idea what a libertarian is. Imagine if their first exposure to libertarians was to see this group of people who were dedicated to doing nothing but helping people that they don't even know. Imagine the impact that has with everyday normal people who then turn around and vote and and often vote based on who they think cares the most. You know, it's actually funny because I like to do math. Let's say how many people even vote in this country, like in total in a general election? How many just voted? Uh, This was a record year. And I I want to hear this number first. Yeah, this year was something like a hundred and Sixty million people, 150 million okay, people. Okay, so 160 like million people. Yeah. All right. I've got 22,000 people in my group. In the Liberty Memes community group, 22,000 people. Mm-hmm. If you take that 160 million people that voted and divide them by 22,000, 22,000, you get 7,000 people. Per person, for every yeah. single member to have to go reach in a year in order to reach a record number of voters, which I think was probably tripled um, just by, you know, inflation of numbers. We'll leave it at that. Um, but uh, it's not hard for us to make an impact in this country and change three, four, five percent, ten percent of the population just by talking to one freaking person. Yep when we're out or impacting their life in some sort of a way. I know that I can't get to every single cause that comes to me. And I certainly can't get to every single cause in this country of people that need me. So it's not like Liberty memes community group or Liberty memes, $5 charity club uh, could sustain all of the welfare needs of the entire United States. Of course. But we can teach voluntarism to the strangers and to the masses and make a difference in their life. And they will say, this was here when the government wasn't. Yep. And not only was it here before the government was here in this country, but it's also here right now for me when they failed me. Yep. Yep. And then that they'll be able to, and then difference. they'll be, they'll be able to spread that message as well. So it's the whole, you know, the whole theory. And this came from the Ron Paul thing as well. You plant seeds with people who turn around and plant seeds with people who turn around and plant seeds with people. That was part of why Dr. Paul was fine talking to two college students because he knew those college students would affect other people who would affect other people and so on. Same thing here. You bring people in, you have them on fire for liberty because they were just in the depths of despair and all of a sudden these strangers came out of nowhere to help them and now they're on fire for it too to go and spread the message to others. You're creating oh, disciples for the all liberty the movement. Time, all the time. And, and I know I feel like sometimes I feel guilty about that because it's like, oh, yeah, I made them have to go and spread liberty for the rest of their life in <laughs> debt of gratitude for what we did for them. Right. But right. that's not bad. It's not bad to do something for a good reason. First of yep. all, I believe that liberty is good. I believe that the libertarian philosophy is the way that we can treat each other with actual morality and decency in the yep. world. And so I'm helping people with that philosophy because I already believe in making the world in me. I'm sorry about that. It's okay. You're back. <laughs> All right. So I believe in this and we're making the world a better place. And so if people feel a debt of gratitude toward libertarianism, then that's exactly what I want. 
That's that's absolutely what we're doing, man. So uh, we so we were talking about a, a cause, and I even didn't really have a chance to look at this yet. I, I'm going to put it in the comments, the link in the comments. It's in the um, it, it's in the show notes already, but there here's the link in the comments uh, so people can check it out later. Uh, or if you're on a device where you can check it out while still continuing to watch this, then then do that. But or listen to this, then you can do that. But tell so us about I, I'm, this I'm most recent one. This one, I, I'm I'm offering this one to you because a, a a trusted member of our community brought it to us, and it's actually somebody that he knows through a relative. So it's a it's trusted situation. Apparently, a father and son had a motorcycle accident and lost both both of them lost their left leg. And they do not have insurance. And so this is going to be, you know, probably upwards of a million dollars. Yeah. I have absolutely no way that I could sustain a cause for or bring my a cause for a million dollars to my group. We're just not big enough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. We will be. We will be big yeah. enough. You're on your way. Um, yeah. Right now. In, right now, in our first year, with only about 250 people actually being active all of the time, we have raised over $320,000 in one year. And that's in a group where you give a casual pledge to give $5, Five a month bucks. to one yeah. of the causes. And yep. most people ended up giving at least $70 to every single cause. So there are some generous people in the liberty movement. But in this case, it's like the goal is $900,000. There's just no way I can help that. But I can tell you guys something. When a goal is that high and it's being raised really, really fast, it's a popular cause in their yep. local community. Yep. And when a cause is popular in a local community and you donate and you make sure to click through until the part where it says leave a comment and you say libertarians Liberty are meme. here to help. Yep. Liberty meme Most sent me. people yep. don't stop to leave a comment. And if you guys leave a comment, you will be the ones that are seen giving to this guy's cause, even by his local community. So it makes a difference, even when you see something like that, where you're like, oh, this is just white noise because so many people are giving. But it'll make a difference if you guys give and give generously to this cause. I'm not going to run it as an official cause, but I did want to put it somewhere where I could show an example of how that works. Yep, absolutely. So here, so here is a perfect example. If you are someone who is not again spending five, ten, twenty, twenty-five bucks, whatever, fifty bucks, however much, to help spread the message of liberty, here's an opportunity to do that and to do it with a captive audience of people who have no idea often what libertarianism is, and simultaneously you're helping a father and son uh, who are dealing with some severe, uh, you know, acute medical issues, uh, surgery, and I I'm reading through it right now that irreparable damage to their left legs, uh, amputation above the knees, they don't have insurance and all of that to help them get back uh, to some kind of semblance of normalcy. And you're also helping, you know, it's, it's, it's truly a two birds with one stone type of thing where you're helping people in need and helping spread the message of liberty. Um, and so, when you share it, you're helping those people reach more people who might be able to help them. Like exactly. I said earlier, there are millionaires in some of these groups that just hide out and just kind of show up whenever there's a cause that, that, that reaches their newsfeed. Yep. Yep, exactly, exactly. And I'm sorry about the lag. I don't know what I can do about the lag. No, I'm it's okay. It's okay. You it. It, the, the lags have been occasional, and they last for like a second or two, and then you come right back. So okay. it's not a problem. I'm just, but, I'm just that kind of silly type of person that I worry about it. No, no, no. Don't so, worry about it. Yeah. Um, what I wanted to tell you, so these people who see these causes, 
because you never know when they're going to reach out and just bless somebody's life. And so you never know as a person on the internet, remember those stupid memes that say, if this gets a certain amount of likes, this person is going to get a kidney. Well, that wasn't necessarily true about if this gets a certain amount of likes, this cause will get funded. Yep. But nowadays, if you share a GoFundMe, somebody who can help might actually see it. Yeah. In theory, if it gets enough shares, enough likes, enough comments, enough whatevers, it will actually be able to accomplish whatever the goal is in that. And and, so, and, and as a twofer, you're also helping spread the message of liberty as well. So a story that will help people grasp the impact of doing that. Um, recently, there was a cause of a father who has cancer and he's in grave condition. He's not doing well. And I love the guy and I don't want to speak ill of his physical condition because for me, he's like the one of the strongest people I've ever met in my life. Like he was actually a bodybuilder and three or four inches taller than me, like really big dude. And it's tough for me to see him go through that. Well, one of the members of my community reached out to me and said, uh, our community said, uh, Chris is not doing well. He hasn't been able to work because of a back injury. And so the family is not able to, you know, adequately provide for, for their needs. And, uh, and I, and I was like, well, what do you think they need? You need like groceries or pay the rent or, you know, a couple thousand dollars to help them out. And she's like, yeah, that'll probably be fine. So we were planning on setting up a fundraiser for that. And the next day she says, well, I just got an update. He had an MRI and it's actually a cancerous tumor surrounding his spine. And this, again, this is somebody from the Liberty community. This is somebody who was extremely active in what was called the Capital District for Ron Paul, the Albany, New York, Ron Paul meetup group way back in 2007. I've seen her in in, in, uh, D.C., I think. I know I've seen her in New Hampshire. Um, This is a, a road warrior, total original Ron Paul revolution family. Good people. And homeschools, so it's not like she it's not like she can go work because she homeschools. Yeah. And uh, and I said, okay, we're not good. We're not going to raise three thousand dollars for them. We're going to raise fifty thousand dollars for them. And I have no clue how we're going to do it, but we're just going to do it. So I set up the fundraiser for fifty thousand dollars for them, and I posted it to our group. And I was like, let's go, guys. These people are original they're like us these are good people let's help them and on yeah. day one ten thousand day two twenty thousand day three thirty thousand day ten fifty thousand wow. dollars it's up to fifty four thousand dollars now wow. but that you would say that that is huge and that is amazing wow how could that even happen but there's more that happened behind the scenes people from his church set up a, a dinner delivery schedule or a meal delivery schedule. So lunch and dinner are both delivered for the next probably six months through this service. You can choose what type of food they like and you pay the money and you fund that meal delivery. And so they've got that set up. And then there's um, the one of these angels who likes to help causes sends me a text message. He says, David, I need their address. And I'm going to give them a their fundraiser but in the future if anything happens 
where you know the the fanfare dies down and people forget that they still need to care for this family because this is a long-term situation right um you know what if that money actually runs out and people are like well what'd you do with fifty thousand dollars it's a lot of money you know when you have debilitating conditions and you right. have to pay it, it all those very quickly you know, leaves yeah that yep. very that could very quickly disappear i had a twenty thousand dollar hospital bill this year for my daughter i mean i know what that what that looks like yeah um and uh he said i want you to know that when the fanfare dies down or if anything happens where uh, he's not around anymore uh i'm going to be there for those children and what he means by be there for them is take care of them long, like adopt the family financially. And he would have never been in our groups unless somebody had shared a post of in Chicago. Uh, he wouldn't have been in our groups if someone hadn't shared a post of me in Chicago feeding a homeless woman at a, at a highway rest stop. Yeah, yeah. And, and he's from Chicago. And he saw that and he was like, I love the way you care about absolutely everybody, rich or poor. And I want you to know I'm here to help these causes, whatever you need. You know, if there's one that's not moving along the way you need it to, you send it to me. And that's the kind of person this is. Yep. Yep. But people don't understand that there's someone out there that will say, I'm going to adopt a family for the rest of their childhood. I mean, how could you grasp how impactful that is? I mean, obviously it hasn't happened yet because we already, you know, the fundraiser is the only thing out of the way right now, but you go down the list of, of things that, that we've done just by putting voluntarism into action yep. and the miracles just never, ever, ever cease. And at some point it becomes very overwhelming for people because they're like, you healed the blind stop, get out of here. Yep. 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 Like you bought a kidney for a little girl? No, that didn't happen. You you paid somebody's mortgage. You bought a car with what a mean group? No, this is just too much. And even when people are confronted with those results, they call it virtue signaling. And my immediate answer to virtue signaling calls is virtue signaling. Signaling particularly is when you spout stuff off that would make a difference if you were actually doing if you were actually doing it exactly yes we are actually making a difference in real people's lives which is the exact opposite of virtue signaling it's called making a difference in people's lives it's called if you have become so jaded that people actually helping each other you think is virtual virtue signaling i think you should remember why we're on this earth which is to try to do as well for ourselves and those around us as we possibly can it's it's it, it is good to actually have virtue. Virtue signaling is saying we should do something to help whatever cause, and then doing absolutely nothing to do it. But you have signaled to everyone that you support this cause, even though you're not actually going to do anything. That's virtue yes. signaling. So what, what we're me, doing is we, actually helping the doing the work and helping people. That's and completely making different. A difference because and making virtue a difference. signaling accomplishes nothing but exactly. sending out a signal. Yes. You know, we are accomplishing things. You, for example, are using your showtime right now to promote this idea that we should be involved in mutual aid, that we should right. be involved in voluntaristic opportunities. Yep. Um, we had another cause that came to us right after you posted about our group. It was yeah. because I drove to Texas from New York in in this whirlwind tour of the United States driving to Texas to MC a rally for you. Mm. Um, I didn't even feel good the day before. And I was like, Oh, today I feel all right. I'm going to drive to Texas. 
<laughs> from Syracuse. Right. And uh, so I did it on limited sleep, and I got to your rally within 20 minutes of our start time. I think a lot of you girls were nervous. You're like, is he even going to show? Who's going to Who's going to do the list if he just doesn't even show? I'm sure you guys were doing that. Um, I I was so I far removed up. from the planning, I wouldn't have even that's known you good. were that's, late. That's honestly. fortunate. I think they were nervous, though. <laughs> I'm but I sure. showed up within 20 minutes. I got from Syracuse to, to Texas within 20 minutes of our stock time because I spend those drives. I drive to these events because I have the opportunity to meet new people. I meet new people at a gas station or at a rest stop. I find out that somebody's stranded because their car is broke down. I find a way to get our community to crowdsource their tow truck for that exact moment to save them from that desperate situation. Right, I mean, right. We do all of these things. And so I did that and it got me to your rally within 20 minutes. I got 20 minutes to spare to start your rally from Syracuse, New York to Houston, Texas, because we were doing that. Right. And uh, maybe that was your response with me because i should have planned better well, but you got there you we got there. so many people and i got to meet with a lot of our supporters and the importance of traveling to meet with your supporters also is that that gets them motivated they get to hear your stories firsthand you're not just typing yep. letters on a screen mm-hmm. and that's really important but what happened next after i i went all new york style on your huge texan rally um you returned the favor and posted about the Liberty Memes $5 charity club to your page. And that got a lot of new people to join that group. It got a lot of help for our current cause at that moment. And then the next cause I found in the comments of your post about it. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Michael, I can't pronounce the name. I think it's Michael Shadow or Shadow or Shadow. And uh, his daughter is autistic Mm -hmm. and she is on that part of the spectrum that enjoys disappearing from the house but she's only i think nine years old and she's a beautiful little girl but she leaves the house and doesn't know that there's danger in the world and wouldn't even understand it if you if you explained it to her right and so she just goes so i gotta go she leaves the house and they build security systems and and fences and she still finds a way to disappear so he was desperate and his fundraiser hadn't been moving for quite some time he needed like nine thousand dollars i think his fundraiser was at one thousand four hundred stuck there for a couple of months but when you posted about it the fact that you shared the group that I went into the comments and I found his and he said, I've been desperately looking to see if there's fellow Liberty people like me that actually help other Liberty people because I've got this situation and I've got to keep my daughter safe and we have to upgrade our security system here. We have to upgrade the fence in the yard and all this stuff. So he needed that money and I made that the next cause to the group. And in a few days it was fully funded. And, but, but again, it cannot be, it can't be diminished the contribution that you had simply by sharing. Right. Right. Which is honestly why you you, you, you never know when the algorithms are going to let you reach 4,000 people or only 40 and you shared it and it reached the right people. That's what happened. That's what mattered. Yeah. And I want to say just to, just to let you know, 
I didn't do it because you came to my event. I did it because when you when you shared it with me, I was like, I definitely have to do it. But I do. You did a great job emceeing the event. It was awesome that you did it. I'm glad that you. We had a, a smaller event the following day. We had like a a fundraising event that you came to and spoke there as well, and that was awesome. But when you told me about, and I was I was already a member, I believe. But you 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 asked, you know, can you can you share this and hear some of the stuff? And I'm like, of course. And so I was. Well, you actually surprised in the me air. because you called me by my nickname at the rally. And I was not expecting that. Well, see, I didn't know. So you need to understand during the campaign, every day I was at a different, usually either a different state or a different city every single day for like four months. I had no idea what the hell was happening from day to day. Yeah. I'd show up. But you still and, knew, but you still knew my nickname. The reason no, it surprised me was because I didn't know that you had been following along so closely. No, no, no. I knew who you were. I mean, I, that, but, but the thing was, I had no idea. What we were doing, what what was going to happen? Who, so as I'm there, they're like, "Yeah, um, David Andrew Gay is going to introduce you." And I'm like, "Dadman's going to introduce me," and they're like, "Yeah." I'm like, "That's that's awesome." And so I was already, yeah. I was thrilled with it already from the beginning. But um, but yeah, no, I mean, it, so we first met in uh, the, actually earlier this year, we met in person in uh, at in the New, New Hampshire. Hampshire conventions, and that was during you know, the time the, that it was at the as that primary day. The New Hampshire primaries, yeah. First, and so, first district, I think it was. First district primary day in Manchester. I remember that Manchester, because yeah. that's where the Ron Paul campaign stationed me. And I got so many interviews. Oh, I got to do okay. like a Univision interview, Telemundo, CNN, just like everybody. It was pretty sweet. And there was this one girl um, who had been egging her mom on about Ron Paul, but the lady, everybody in New Hampshire wants to pick a winner. That's the New Hampshire thing. Yep. Pick a winner. And so they were going to vote for Mitt Romney and she goes in and I'm yelling about Ron Paul's plan to slash the federal budget and spending. And that was a big deal to the Tea Party people. Right, right, and right. She goes in and I remember yelling to her those words and her just kind of going, wait, huh? And she goes in to vote. And she comes out and CNN corners her and they're like, oh, who'd you vote for? Who'd you vote for? And she goes, well, I'm kind of nervous to talk about it, but, uh, you know, my daughter here and, uh, you know, uh, I voted for Ron Paul. (laughs) And so I'll never forget that place because that's where that happened. So this year I needed attention because Liberty Memes was just getting abused by Facebook and we weren't. I don't think it's even fair. Like, I'm not even opposed to Facebook. If, if these people came to me, I'd be like, I want to be your friend. I want to follow your standards so that right. I can, you know, we can use this community to make the world a better place. Right, right, and right. They don't want to hear that. They just want to ban me. And so they ban me. And, and you and Vermin Supreme mm-hmm. were at the primary place. And I was dressed like Bernie Sanders. And you helped me get attention for uh, for Facebook deleting Liberty memes on a day that we knew the National Press Corps would be at that specific location. Yeah, so it was I, very, very, very helpful. And I'm, so, why decided to go to Texas to help you with your event because you had helped me? Well, and I appreciate you doing that. I'm trying to find. I thought I had a photo um of your getup that you were dressed in so you were you were dressed as bernie sanders with a with a sign that said uh where uh, why did facebook delete uh liberty memes uh vermin supreme's dressed as vermin supreme he's got his whole his whole get up with the boot and everything and, else and you were holding a toy pony yeah i was holding a a, a a pony a giant pony head on a stick um and uh, other than that i was dressed normally and uh and so we're there trying to get, and the media you know who's trying to ask 
uh, questions of like voters, who did they vote for? They couldn't help but see our menagerie there, and so they're coming over to see it. And you're you're yelling out, you know, what? And, and and Vermin's yelling, why did Facebook delete Liberty memes? And so we got some some love over it. And uh, you know w- what upsets me now is you know here you have Facebook uh, during a time that you were trying to help you know raise money for people in need during the time when people are are the most likely to be in need, Facebook took a large number of your followers and supporters and members of your group and put a ban on them from interacting with complex entities, which included groups, which did that affect your reach at all? Of course course it did. I mean, those are all different opportunities to truncate our reach in ways that aren't overtly doing it to us. Right, right. Um, I remember when we were first deleted in 2018, it was when the zuckening happened and about 700 other pages had also yep. been deleted. Yep. However, yep. they waited. They saved the tastiest morsel for last. And I guarantee that this was intentional. Liberty Memes in 2016 was one of the first pages to get threatened in that way over innocent political material. Yeah, And they sent us... They, they deleted a bunch of our posts, banned our accounts, and sent us threats that they were going to delete our page for violations of community standards. And that was when we had reached like 600,000 people. And we were still, we were helping people through the main page at that time. We didn't have a group for it. We were helping people right there on the main page. It was on public display that we were a public good. And uh, they deleted us because in 2016, we got a lot of media attention for it. So we were a blaze and Breitbart and all the right leaning stuff. And, and yep. it even made like the second or third story on Drudge Report that Facebook was threatening Liberty memes. Yep. And it was over the meme that says, silly Americans, laws are for poor people. Oh, with Hillary. To, this is in reference to yep. Hillary Clinton. Uh, not getting charged with federal crimes that she had actually committed. committed that they just yeah. said, no, we're, we're just not going to do we're it. Just not gonna do we're it, just yeah. not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And so we posted silly Americans laws are for poor people as a picture of Hillary Clinton looking all smug as she often does. And that went viral very quickly. I'm talking like 20 million shares that day. <laughs> it was the whole world saw that. And the problem is that the whole world saw it before the television got to explain why the FBI wasn't going to levy charges. So the first impression anyone got that day about Hillary Clinton was that she was above the law. Which is the correct take. Which is correct. <laughs> sure. Which is truth in media. But next... They go on television and by lunchtime, everyone in America has already seen that she's looking like she's above the law and above the poor people. Right. And then the next thing they see is the press conference coverage and the guy saying, oh, we're not going to press charges. And everybody's like, oh, I saw a meme about that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Mm -hmm. And that was the whole country. And it's like the old evening news. You know, people couldn't get to the evening news before we got to them. And that was a big problem for them. And that's why they had to slow us down. And that's when they, that, I think that was when they really learned how dangerous online libertarians can be to their narrative yep. because we know how to reach people because our memes are just better. We can respond. We can get a message out instantly unless they're throttling us, which is now what they actively do. Well, what they do to me is this. I can't even search my own name on Facebook. Because it's all just hot naked dudes. 
Because my name's Gay. <laughs> See, I just did it. That's all right. I was born this way. I could talk this way. Zuckerberg doesn't want the truth to come out. So, Well, when they deleted our page in 2018, we had just finished. That moment had just reached goal on a Facebook fundraiser, the platform they want us to use over GoFundMe. We had just hit goal for a family that had just lost their house in a house fire. Yep. And then, boom, that moment deleted. And they did that intentionally after the zucketing because the zucketing got a lot of press attention, all those pages that got deleted. And then two weeks later, it was us and we were out of the news cycle. So we were not able to reach out to any of those press conferences, uh, press contacts that we had. Yep. They looked at me and they were like, dude, we already covered this two weeks ago. And that was it. We didn't get our page back and nobody ever told us why they took it down in the first place. Well, I know there was one time that they they warned you or, or and this may have been before 2020 because it was a, it was a meme that uh, it was showing two lobsters fighting and people like betting money on it. And, and the lobster, yeah. one lobster was American teenagers and the other one was Iranian teenagers. And then the people betting money, it was like the military industrial complex or something so like I that. So I understand the nerd reason why they would ban this. Like if you're going to follow the letter of the law of Facebook, I understand why they would ban this. It was a lot. It was the lobster fight meme. Yeah. Most people know the lobster fight meme. You yeah, yeah. got a bunch of people gambling over two lobsters. Two lobsters that are, that are like fighting each other. Though. Yeah. One lobster was labeled Iranian teens, and the other lobster was labeled American teens. This is a reference to the fact that the people who fight our nonsense wars are teenagers. Teenagers. They're children. Yep. I mean, compared to us, obviously. Yeah, no, they're kids. They think they're old enough and they know everything, but they are actually going out and getting themselves killed for the whims of politicians. These are our young people. And... So that's tragic. So we made this meme and the people gambling over this lobster fight were Raytheon. That's what it was. Yeah. Grumman. Boeing. And yeah, yeah, yeah. All the military industrial, you know, uh, Halliburton. So there's all the military industrial complex uh, contractors were listed here as the ones that were gambling over who was going to win between the Iranians and the Americans. And Facebook banned it because it was against community standards on dehumanizing people. Like comparing them to animals. So they said that I was comparing Iranians and Americans to lobsters, and that's not allowed. The the Jordan Peterson defense. <laughs> so yeah, that's funny. It is funny that uh, a lobster meme would get us would get us banned. Um, it's a metaphor. You weren't saying yeah. you know Iranians and Americans. I know humans, it's a metaphor. What lobster. we were saying, what we were comparing one thing to the other, was right. people gambling over a lobster fight to being the way these military contractors are excited about sending Iranians and Americans to their deaths. It's them that are dehumanizing the people. Exactly. You're just bringing it to light. Exactly. They're the ones who are turning us into the veritable oh, lobster gosh. fight. So. That's what got us banned last time, the most recent time. That's when I went to New Hampshire, and, and you helped me get attention for that. Um, but through it all, we have just been consistently helping people. The reason I throw out the $1 million uh, number that you mentioned at the beginning of the broadcast is because we were helping people long before we created the Little Donors Club. 
So we were posting all these causes, you know, $30,000, $50,000, one time $200,000. And we were doing those through Liberty Memes Community Group. And we were doing those through Liberty Memes Patreon members, which, by the way, got deleted. They're going after my actual livelihood. Um, and then they, and then, uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So we've, we've been raising all this money for a very long time. Uh, this new group is $300,000 in just the last year. We've already been at it for almost three years. Yep. And so even in that time, you would say, just, you know, triplicate those numbers. You would say, <laughs> say okay, you got, I just made up a word. I love making up words. Uh, triple those numbers and yep. you'll have 900,000. So we've, we've, we've done certainly well over a million, probably a million and a half to two million that yep. we've done in causes that were primarily promoted through our groups. So sometimes there's people who say, well, how can you dare to take credit for things that were funded outside of your group? Um, so that's true. You know, these fundraisers, um, we start them often in our group and we get them the most attention that we can possibly get. them. Right, right, right. And no one else is out there spending every single hour of the day trying to figure out ways to get the most attention possible for their causes. Yeah. So I am an expert at that and I have an audience and it is not my accomplishment that these things get funded is my accomplishment that these things get attention. Right. And you're also not claiming that every single penny of these GoFundMes came from the Liberty Memes people. Correct. You're saying that, that a we, bulk of it did. This is money that we yeah. helped raise. Yeah, this is money we that we helped there. raise. And that. in most cases, and I would say 95% of those cases, yeah. we have been the catalyst that caused those fundraisers to get the attention they needed to get funded. So in one example... We, we didn't even run it as the official fundraiser until it was already off and running. And that was a case of a little girl who caught the flu and she went blind and into a coma from the flu. Wow. And a group member said, Hey, we need to raise like $30,000 for this family. They're not doing well. And their daughter is blind and in a coma. I was like, okay, let's do it. Um, but I can't do it because right now our group is only funding like 500, 1000 at a right. time. Sometimes right. that happens where you're just, the group's just not that active. Yeah. Yeah. It's not. Yeah. You're not there yet. Yeah. So we, I said, I'm going to give you advice and I'm going to give you instructions. This is how you're going to run it as though you were me. And he did that and he got local media attention. That local media attention automatically caught the news desk at CNN. And CNN ran that cause and on their broadcast and on their website and on their Facebook page. They posted the link to the GoFundMe and it got overfunded. Yep. And it was because they took my advice. It's not, you know, it's not like I'm trying to brag about he got funded because of me. What I'm saying is I'm experienced at getting attention for these causes. Right. And yeah. our groups have become very adept at helping these causes get attention when they can't afford to donate. So then you come into the concept of a time donation. If you can't afford to donate something, you know, you, you always have time and, and energy that you might exactly. be able to expend exactly. you know, to, to, to help out a cause and, and make it reach somewhere. So you never know. You share a cause and it ends up at the news desk for CNN. 
Yeah. And for the people that are complaining about this stuff, I I look forward to having you on the show to talk about the mutual aid society you've created uh, to to raise. I love that comment because I think about that all all the time. The people who say, oh, well, you're only doing this uh, because you need a feather in your cap because you have a Patreon and you need to convince people to sign up for your Patreon. I'm like, listen, this is freaking work. I dedicate my life, my heart and soul, every fiber of my being every single day to making sure and finding new ways to make sure that people are getting funded for the things that they need. Yep. And that in that we're able to promote a Liberty message and be a positive impact and a positive influence on the real world outside of our corner of the internet where the libertarians are. Right. Exactly. And so that's why I have a Patreon. That's why people sponsor us because they appreciate the work that we do, but they also recognize that it is full-time work. Of course. So when people are like, well, you don't deserve that. What do you do? You just post links. I'm like, dude, you have no clue what goes into vetting these causes to make sure that they're, they're even viable to promote to my group. I made that mistake once. One cause got through that was not legitimate, and I immediately owned up to it and told the group, hey, guys, this one got by me. And I had everybody file for a refund, and they got their refund. So that wasn't even a problem. Yep, yep. But, but this we is, bet yeah. these causes. I I have to deal with the heartbreak of saying no to more than a hundred people a week. I have to deal with figuring out where I'm going to fit people, what the current audience is willing to even bear in terms of fundraising. So there's all sorts of stuff like that that goes into it. And then you, and then there's the trips. There's me driving to Texas so that I can be at an event so that I can have Spike say, Hey, you know what? This guy actually does care to put in the legwork. You know, there is a lot that goes into that. So, so overall Liberty memes is not just Liberty memes, $5 charity club. It's the page where we post memes to entertain people and spread the message. It's the groups where we, where we feed pizza to people. And that's not even Liberty Means $5 charity club. This is another group that we have. Oh yeah. The pizza, pizza, pizza Fridays. Yeah. Yeah. Half yeah. dozen families. Yeah. And we've been doing that for more than two, for, for almost two years. We have a group called Liberty Memes Community Group. And in there we have the Pizza Friday Exchange. And on Pizza Friday, I post a picture of me holding a pizza and a picture of Ron Paul with his wife because they endorsed this idea. Personally, they want it to succeed. So if you're a Ron Paul fan and you want stuff to succeed, give the Pizza Friday stuff that Ron Paul endorses. So Ron Paul took a picture of me with a baseball bat, him and me both holding baseball bats. Because he wanted my Patreon to do well, and he wanted Liberty Memes to do well, and he wanted us to get attention. So if you like Ron Paul, you know, you know do what he says. You should probably sign up for my Patreon, and you should probably be involved in these causes. But, um, yeah, so we have Liberty Memes Community Group, and every Friday we say, if you're hungry, ask for a pie. If you're generous, help somebody out. Send a, a delivery yeah. through Grubhub or DoorDash or yeah. Uber Eats. Or just call the local pizza place or go on dominoes.com. You'll also build a road when you're doing that. (laughs) So every single week, families come and they say, we're hungry. We could use a meal. And sometimes it's two, three or four times in the year that they say that. But we fed warm food to somebody, a stranger on the Internet, who will probably never meet and didn't even ask them what their political affiliations are. Exactly. We just said, here's some hot food from us libertarians. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And so that program has fed over 500 families. 
I mean, how do you take some internet trolls that are in a group for memes and turn that into feeding warm meals to 500 families? So recently we had a case of a guy named Jacob Helzer and Jacob came to, well, he's actually been helping in Liberty Means $5 Charity Club. And even before that, he was a, a patron on our, on our Patreon. And he's got a condition that I'm not quite sure how to pronounce. It's called Ehlers-Danlos. Ehlers-Danlos, yeah. Ehlers-Danlos. Yeah. And that basically, it's a, it's a connective tissue disease. And I know you understand what those are about. And uh, it's a degenerative disease that causes, especially it causes your, your supporting tissues around your bones to deteriorate, yep. is what I gather. Yep. And so you end up with fractures because you've got no supporting tissue to keep it from happening. You strain right. muscles all the time and pull ligaments and, and, and severed tendons and things like that. In his case, he's losing all the pulp inside of his teeth. So it causes his entire mouth to basically crumble. Yeah. And this is tragic. He's 28 years old and he's losing his one symbol of, you know, other than our muscles and our brawn. I mean, what we have for strength as human beings is our teeth. Our ability to eat you know, food. When yeah, you yeah. are feeling weak, you might have dreams about losing your teeth. And getting your teeth pulled when it's like a lot of them is a very traumatic experience for a young adult. I could tell you between the age of 30 and 40 right now, I've got like seven molars that I had to dismiss because I just, they, they're not, that's just the way they grew in my mouth in yeah. a way that I basically have no chompers left. And so I feel for this kid and he's got, I say kid, he's 28 years old, but, uh, but he reached out to us because he needs a full extraction surgery for each part of his mouth. So upper and lower, and then wow. he needs full, full implant, full dentures. Um, and it was, it's expensive. I called him. I said, can you send me an estimate of the bills? Can you send me the x-rays? Can you send me this and that? And he sent it to me. So this is properly vetted. There were people in the community behind the scenes that were pulling the strings for him saying, David, what are we doing about Jacob? How are we helping him? You know, he, I feel really bad for him. He's suffering in silence. He's in so much pain. He can't afford these surgeries. And so I called him and I got these estimates and, uh, and I said, all right, we're going to run your $13,000 fundraiser and we're not going to do it now. We're going to do it maybe in a month. And I drove to Texas for a second time because there was a event at Ron Paul's house and yep, I wanted yep. to be at that. So I went to that and I'm sorry you didn't get to go. I love you, but I'm sorry you didn't get to go. Um, and then I drove to that and I drove back because like I said, that gives me opportunities to meet with people right. and it's not just people who are in need. And I think I'll, I, if we have time, I'll get to that about the homeless people that I meet, but this kid in Missouri, like Missouri is not really on the way home from Houston, Texas to Syracuse, New York. I think it's at least a three hour detour. And when you're on no sleep, it feels like a lot longer. Right. And uh, I drove to Missouri at two o'clock in the morning and met him at a Waffle House and met him and a few of our other Missouri supporters. And it was really great. Um, but 
What he didn't know was that the entire time I was driving there, I was talking to different people and setting that up because I was already planning to take a planned detour, if that's a thing, or if it's not an oxymoron. I was planning on this detour to go and see him just so that I could meet him before running his fundraiser and make him feel, you know, excited about liberty and libertarianism and what we do. And at that, I was able to give some cash gifts to the entire staff of that Waffle House. Um, And I even gave them a copy of Economics in One Lesson by Hazlitt and wrote, this is a gift from Liberty Means $5 Charity Club. And it was gift cards and a book by Hazlitt at the Waffle House at two o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And one of the two people who received this gift was like, I know what this is about. I voted for Joe Jorgensen. I'm going to tell the cashier here all about what libertarians really do in the world. Right. It's just another recruit, another opportunity. Yep. Yep. And so I do these trips for that. And so sure enough, $13,000 was raised in, I think it was less than a week for his cause. And something very interesting that came out of that is, I don't know if it started with Jacob or who was doing it, but all these like crazy memes making fun of Jacob's teeth. And, you know, yes, how easily yes, yes, they yes, break. Yes, yes. That was actually the point of me bringing this up yeah. is because memes change the world. And I've always said that the memes that we post on Liberty Memes, the viral reach that they've always had, the way we've been able to reach 50 million people before the news can has yep. always been a big deal. And people tell me, you know, you, what do you do? You just have a silly memes page. And I'm like, listen, I use the reach of this audience and I feel responsible for the fact that I have this type of reach to do something impactful in the world. And so I take that and I turn it into voluntarism, turn it into action, take that right. community and say, there's more that we can do. There's so yeah. many of us here right now. If we were just to be active for three days, all at once, we would already have changed the world. Right. That's what I try to inspire when I talk about this stuff. And that's what I try to tell, you know, your audience and the people that I meet at three o'clock in the morning at Waffle House. So I said two o'clock. Now it's an embellishment. Oh, now I'm lying. Anyway, the people I meet in in the butt crack of dawn at a Waffle House in Missouri, you know, getting everybody inspired and say, you know, if we just stay active long enough in libertarianism and we do it where we're actually building a critical mass and we're all active at once, amazing things can happen. And that was the lesson I learned from Ron Paul, because this is a guy who since the 1960s was giving speeches at trade shows about federal reserve and interest rates hurting their industry. I mean, nobody knows that about Ron Paul. There are some old people, like people who are my grandfather or even my great-grandfather's age, who know that about Ron Paul. That in 1960, they were seeing him at industrial events talking about how we needed to stay on the gold standard or whatever. I mean, this is who Ron Paul, and he has been building that critical mass this entire time. And it got to the point where in 2008, we were able to raise like six or $8 million in a flash overnight, one night, which was a, at the time a presidential fundraising a record. record. Yep. 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 And we did that because people just were involved all at once. So whenever I see that, I say that happened in my lifetime and that was my initiation to liberty activism. So I know we can do it again. Yep. And I know we have the amount of people to do it again. Not only do we have the amount of people, we have more people now. 
even more. Because there are people my age who have spent the last 12, 13 years recruiting more people to this. And we have better ability to organize now than we did 12 Mm -hmm. years ago. So all those things combined, we we can do far more work than we did before. Yeah. That's absurd to think that we absolutely need to depend on all this social media because we found ways. And the liberty movement finds ways to spread the truth and finds ways to get the message out there. So, yeah, the power of memes. Um, So Jacob's case, he's a good sport and he appreciated us picking on him (laughs) uh, for his situation. So... uh, and it we worked. Make it, helped, about, it helped grow. We the, were, the, we were yeah. making memes about like this jackass's teeth are made out of rich crackers. Like imagine how hard that must be in life. Dude, a warm brownie ended this man's life. Come on. How is that even okay? You guys got to donate to this. We were making memes about stuff like that. Well, there was one that was like ta- that, that meme where Tom of Tom and Jerry is letting in a bunch of other cats and he opens the door and now under Tom, it says Ehlers-Danlos syndrome. And then uh, on one of the cats, it says a warm brownie. And then another one, it says like, you know, frozen yogurt or something to like beat up Jacob's mouth. They were all ready to beat up Jacob's mouth. Like it was just one silly, like ridiculous meme after the next, but he was a good sport about it and it helped raise the money for him to be able to get the, the the extraction and the dentures that he needs. So it's a perfect example. You know, I tell people, don't let your memes be dreams. Like you can let, like memes have the power, the ability to organize people and get the reach to bring people into what your actual message is. That's the whole point. You're not, that. you're not going to believe me. And he'll probably tell me that I'm talking out of school if he actually, if, if this actually gets back to him. But my campaign manager for my 2013 campaign for uh, city council here in Syracuse, was endorsed by Ron Paul. There's a really hokey video of the two of us. And I've actually got, I, I cut my hair really short. But in that video, I've got like, you know, like a sweep over and some like beautiful hairdo or something. It looks so stupid and hokey. And that was back when I was like an actual Republican activist. Right. But there's a video of him endorsing my campaign. And if you find it, you can play it. And I'll I'm trying it. I'll to find it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold find on, it. Hold on. Say Ron Paul endorses David Gay for city council. You're going to love this thing. Uh, city council. And then I'll remember the story I wanted to tell you about it. Hold on. Uh, here's a link from Syracuse.com. Is this the actual video? No. I, you know what I'll do is I'll find it and I'll text it to you right now. Anyway, so to tell this story, my campaign, and you called yourself the meme, the meme president or the meme candidate for vice president. Um, my campaign was extremely meme based and to the point that my campaign manager ended up being one of the social media czars or gurus or whatever you call it in the president's cabinet for donald trump oh wow like on my campaign on my campaign, he learned how to do meme-based politics and ended up working in the White House. <laughs> so, so I'm sure he already knew everything he needed to know. I mean, he's well-organized and well-connected individual, but still, yeah. I was one of the first meme-based campaigns for public office, and the guy who was my campaign manager ended up as the chief advisor for social media in the White House. 
That's pretty impressive. So, that's pretty impressive. No, that's pretty impressive. I don't mean impressive. to say anything, but that's like a pretty big deal. No, it's pretty impressive. So, so are, are you trying so to find memes the memes make a difference. I mean, memes make a difference. So we took these memes about Jacob and his fundraiser ended up stuck at one point because what happens is the group, the really active people all donate at once and then the tricklers come in and the workers right, right, right. might donate to something. So it was stuck. And I was like, I know what I got to do. I got to make some memes and roast this dude a little bit. And then we'll get some interaction in the group. And the memes did the trick. It went from 5,000 to 7,000 overnight. And I'm talking about it stalled at 5,000 at like 11 o'clock at night. And right. by 1130, I was already posted memes to get things going. And when I woke up in the morning, it gained another $2,000. And it was because the memes got attention even of what people would consider as a sleepy hour on the internet. Yep. Yeah. It makes a big difference. Oh, it and makes a huge difference. The amount yeah. of years and hours that me and my brother have put into building this network into our Liberty activism to be able to get to the point where we're able to do that, where we just flash a meme and take care of somebody is like, that's a lot of work. I don't think people understand what actually goes into that behind the scenes, but we do have a way for our fellow capitalists to reward us for this work. So if you're not able to get out and do what we do every day and you still appreciate what you do, you can sponsor us on Patreon through patreon.com slash Liberty memes. It's just a nice thing to do. You don't have to. That's the thing. So the, and I, this is a key important point to make. The people that get upset about the fact that he has a Patreon for this, first of all, he has bills to pay as well. He'd like to be able to, you know, feed his kids as well. Second of all, you don't have to do it. If you just want to help whatever the causes are, then do that. He's mm -hmm. not making you join the Patreon to be a member of the of the of the group. He's saying the more I get from the Patreon, the more able I am to devote full time to this so that I can be even more effective in doing it. But you well, don't not just have that. to do I it. I mean, obviously, we would love to expand what we're able to offer. Through of course. Yeah, so we absolutely. Would, you know, you see all these organizations like the Koch Foundation and uh, whatever else yeah. organization or even Young Americans for Liberty getting attention and time on the press. Mm hmm. There are foundations that these people are donating to in order to get that type of attention. Yep. You know, you don't just get on the TV as the expert about something just because you're the expert about something. You have to be connected and money makes that happen. Yep. And that's one of the things that I try to teach libertarians in every single different aspect is that it is okay for people to like you and it is and it is okay for you to give your funds voluntarily. Yep. I don't know if I lagged too much. No, 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 that. no. They got it. They got it. It's okay for yeah. people to like you, and it's okay for you to give money voluntarily. In yeah. the same so, way, so, it's so actually my, a reverse. My... It's it's a reverse of what happens with statists. A lot of statists tie government programs to charity and we you know give them a hard time about it but often we do the same thing but in reverse we go well you know with charity uh you know i i can't get you know i'm i'm already being taxed so much it's like okay this is completely separate from that charity is a good thing it is not welfare yeah. it is not a government program it is what we're supposed to be doing helping each other because we want to well in my case you know for just my own case of my patreon i get paid and people are like, well, what do you get paid for? You just splash a link on social media. And I'm like, well, it takes 
hours and hours of vetting and promotion and messaging people and, and finding new ways to post something so that people actually get motivated to give, whether it be inventing new memes for it or whatever. But this yep. is a 10 to 12 to 14 hour a day job. And then there's also the fact that I wouldn't be on your show right now if I hadn't been driving around the country making connections so that we could grow this, so that we right. could do more, so that we yep. could help more people. Yep. So people who sponsor us understand that. And that's really all there is to that. Yeah. Listen, I, I as someone, as a professional internet libertarian Jew or whatever I am, uh, as 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 someone who, who does... Mazel tov. Yeah, yeah mazel tov. Uh, for, for the people that, you know, as someone who does this essentially full time, you didn't even have to tell me. I already knew what kind of back end stuff and things that I didn't even know specifically, but just had an idea of what it is in the background that you're having to do. You're doing amazing. You're doing God's work out there. Uh, and I'm so happy that you came on to do this show. It has been an absolute honor to, to have can, you can on. Can I tell you one more story? Well, actually, <laughs> yeah, no. And I'm, I'm about to give you the floor to as much time as you want. What I always do when, when I close the show out is I give my guests the opportunity to say whatever it is they want to say, whatever thing they thought they didn't get a chance to say. You have as much time as you want. David Andrew Gay, the floor is yours. Thank you. I appreciate that. So what I wanted to tell you, um, I wanted to tell you one more story about the people that we've helped because there was a guy last year and, and I've been known for, for when I can or when I can sniff out a situation uh, for helping the homeless people and people who I can see are not just grifters on the side of the road asking for money, but people who are actually in need. And I was driving through Syracuse and I was driving to the mall and this is on a snowy day, probably a couple weeks after this time of year. So right. It's cold in Syracuse and we are the snowiest city in America tied with Erie, Pennsylvania. That is a big deal. It's cold here. You don't want to be outside at nighttime. Right. And I'm driving through and I saw footprints and a tire track, a single tire track and a single set of footprints headed into the woods how would I even, I, I don't know how I'm so astute at picking out these people, but I'm able to find where they are. And I drive by and I, I pull over my car immediately. And I was like, there's somebody living back there. Yeah. That's not somebody with a partner going to have sex or to shoot up drugs. There's someone living back there. And sure enough, I'm a pretty big guy. I'm not intimidated of the woods. So I walk in these woods and this is between two parking lots, like by a factory and a mall. And there's a guy in basically a hobbit house made out of plywood and a real door in the middle of the woods. Like he built a house back there. Oh, wow. And obviously it was going to be raised soon by the developers yeah. of that land. And it's not, you know, it's not a safe, it's a precarious place to build a home. Of course. But um, I knocked on the door and he says, hello, can I help you? And I'm like, well, you're the guy living in the woods. Can I help you? And I took down basically his list of needs. He needed some thermal boots, some warm clothes, some gloves, nice clean socks, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I went to Burlington Coat Factory and found everything like this brand new fresh pair of thermal Timberlands for his shoes, for his feet, for his boots. Some thermal underwear, triple fat goose coat, all sorts of stuff. Uh, brand new cotton socks, just anything that I, I thought of that he might need and a few snacks. And I also bought him a space heater with extra propane tanks, like, like a dozen extra propane tanks. 
so that he would be warm and not miss a beat of being warm. And I taught him how to properly ventilate his living space so that he wouldn't get carbon monoxide poisoning from that. And I came back two or three times and uh, I brought him fresh bedding and a pillow and things like that, which I've done in the past for uh, some homeless folks in Miami. And uh, when I was on my way to travel to see you in Houston, Texas, I, before I left the house, I live about three blocks from the local Rite Aid pharmacy. And I was walking to the Rite Aid to get some Gatorades so that I don't get dehydrated when I'm driving, right? Because dehydration while you're driving long distances is probably probably the reason you get those cramps and all that pain. Yep. Anyway, yep. so I saw a guy in a work vest volunteering to clean up my side of town work vest and he looked kind of like that lagging a little bit yeah you're back you're back you're back okay so i saw a guy on a work on a work crew volunteering to clean up my side of town next to the right aid and i i just knew it was him but he was all cleaned up and shaven and wearing nice clothes and I went over and instead of saying hi to him, and I was in a hurry because I had to hit the road to come to your rally in Texas. And uh, I went to the foreman and I said, tell me, whatever happened to that guy, Al, that was living in the woods? And she said, well, I don't know exactly what happened, but he came to us one day and said, I'm ready to live in a house again. And he said it was because he felt like people would accept him in a society again. He felt loved. Yeah. And it was because we went into the middle of the woods into his part of the world and met him in his part of the world and, and where he is and said, you're valuable here where you are. And he lives in a house now. And he's clean shaven and not living in the middle of the woods in the winter in Syracuse. I mean, this is like, there are homeless people who feel condemned to live outdoors for the rest of their lives. And it is mostly because they live outdoors and then they go for their handout, but nobody is coming straight to them and saying, Hey, what do we have to do for you? You know, to end this situation. And it's just inspiring just to feel loved. So that's why I'm motivated to go around the country and meet people and talk to people. It's just sometimes people just need to feel some love. So when I was on my way to Houston, the second time last month, I stopped in Texarkana and there was a kid sleeping on the steps of a church. He's like 25, I think. Some big, huge black kid, kind of intimidating, actually, like a big dude. And uh, he was sleeping on the and I had those gift cards to give out that I bought these visa gift cards to give out at random to strangers along my trip through several States. And uh, I just, I woke him up. I was like, Hey buddy. And he goes, ah, he lives in a big scream. He was terrified. Um, I said, no, 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 don't worry. I'm just here to help you out. I, I've got some gift cards for you, some drinks, you know, some, some socks, things like that. And he's like, Oh no, no, good. Look, sit down. Why don't you sit down? We'll, we'll, we'll have a prayer meeting. I'm like, oh, okay, sounds pretty cool. When, when am I going to have a chance to have an impromptu prayer meeting with a homeless uh, Cajun um, <laughs> for the rest of my life? So right. why don't I do this in Texarkana at 1 o'clock in the morning? 
And so we did that and I prayed for him and I prayed that he would realize that he would be a much more effective evangelist of his religious beliefs if he lived in a house. So we took care of that. I think my wife is home. I had a go phone. But we took care of him at that moment and we prayed for him. And he sent me a text the day after Thanksgiving that said, I want you to know I'm in a re I'm in a program right now where it's work and you get a house, like a place to stay. Yeah. So he is also on the track to not being homeless anymore. That's and that incredible. is just amazing. And that just happened recently in the past month. That is incredible, man. That's this is the kind of stuff I know you got to get up to, to, to get to yeah. the, the door. But um, David, thanks. And, and it's amazing the stuff that you're doing. Uh, David, thank you so much for coming on. And uh, y- y- you can get you can go get the door and come back. Well, I want to talk to you briefly uh, during the during the outro. Okay. But okay, yeah. just a second. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah, yeah. Go, go ahead and go. But, uh, you know, this is the kind of incredible stuff we can do, folks, when when we are helping other people, right? When you meet people where they are and listen to what their issues are and, uh, and, and hear their concerns and see how you can help them, that's an incredible way to bring people into the movement. And it's, it's pretty cost-effective, too. And, and in addition to actually spreading your message, you're also helping people in need. So, David, thanks again for coming on, and it was great. Say hi. Come on. One second, just lean in and say hi. It's Spike. Hey, what's up? Hey, how are you doing, man? I'm going to see this on Instagram tomorrow. I'm I'm following him. Oh, he follows you on Instagram. Oh, cool. So this actually isn't going to be on Instagram. This is on the muddied water. This is going to be on my Facebook and my YouTube and Twitter. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, cool. So I'll I'll finish up with this. Um, If you hear a language that you're accustomed to in the libertarian movement, it's because this is what we believe in. I've heard a lot of people say, I don't trust Spike because he's a panderer. I think he's pandering just because he's a politician. And I've heard people say this about me. Well, I think you're pandering just because you have a Patreon. I'm like, dude, I live this stuff. We wouldn't speak this way if we didn't live this stuff. And I firmly believe that everybody's job as a campaigner or in convincing people of the effectiveness of liberty and libertarian philosophy would be much better if we were making an impact in the common person's life outside of our circles and not spending all our time at libertarian party meetings. Those can be important, but also go to the rest of the world because your contribution to the liberty movement isn't being in a circle with other libertarians. That's where iron sharpens iron, but then you need to go out and bring that to the rest of the world. You can't go home and say, I accomplished my... A contribution to the liberty movement today because i went to a meeting with a bunch of libertarians that doesn't that i mean unless you're doing it to motivate them to get out into the rest of the world exactly but the goal then is still go go talk to the other 99 percent of the people out there who've never even heard of our ideas exactly yeah if we were if like i said we i can't say if we were making a difference in other people's lives because we are we're doing yep. it right now we yep. can't get to everybody and i'm sorry probably some of your viewers are going to reach out to me and ask for something and i'm going to probably tell them no because we have so many already right. but the more libertarians realize that this is the way and that this is a downtime project that you can all be involved in while you're not involved in the presidential election exactly you know, we can all do this. So if you appreciate that message and you understand that this comes from like good Liberty people that, that you can trust, like Spike, like me, like Dr. Paul, like Tom Woods, who recently gave me his support as well. And, and Larry Sharp, who recently joined our group. Um, Those are the good people. And if you like those good people, 
then this is something that you should be involved in. Get Join the Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club. I won't even hold you to the $5 a month pledge. I just want you in there to see what we're about and see what we do. Yep. You know, every single libertarian should be in that group just to see what it's about. Yeah. And that would be just that alone would inspire them to, to be active. And then again, if you appreciate the work that I personally put in, join Liberty Memes on Patreon tonight. Patreon.com slash Liberty Memes. It would make a great Christmas gift for my children because I have four <laughs> of those. Well, Thank you so much for coming on. You were doing incredible work. And folks, again, if, if you want to find out more about it, like he said, join the Facebook group, Liberty Memes $5 Charity Club. Join it now. And if you feel so inspired to help him and help David in being able to actually do this and push it full time and be even more involved in it, uh, patreon.com slash Liberty Memes. David, thanks again so much for coming on. Uh, stick around. We're gonna. I, I want to talk with you briefly during the outro. But folks, thanks again for tuning into this episode of My Fellow Americans. Uh, be sure to tune in uh, tomorrow uh, night at 8 and Friday night at 8 uh, for uh, my next episode of... What, what do I have it? Where do I have it? Yeah, I have it here. Uh, my next episode of Culture of Winning. Uh, that's on my Spike Cohen social media. Uh, be sure to tune into that. On uh, Thursday, I will be interviewing... Um, uh, Alan Esposito uh, and on Friday I will be interviewing Ben Bacchus. Culture of Winning is where I interview uh, libertarians who have been elected to office I know that you may not have known that happens, but libertarians do actually get elected to office so that we can talk about the blueprint for getting libertarians elected to office. Uh, so that's Thursday and Friday. Uh, and then on Monday, I'm doing another episode of uh, of, uh, of Culture of Winning on my social media. Next Tuesday is the Muddy Waters of Freedom, where Matt Wright and I parts through the week's news like the sweet autumn angel cherubs that we are. And then tune in again next week for another episode of, uh, of My Fellow American right here Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern. Folks, thanks again for tuning in. Have a great rest of your evening. And I'm Spike Cohen, and you are the power. God bless, guys.
the sun, that's what I'm on. All these tears, I close my eyes, open up to only find I'm in line. There's a point, this murder happened all the time. Either lose your life or mine.